The scripture reading is from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, "'To your offspring I will give this land.' So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negeb. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I want to encourage you to have your Bible open in front of you. Uh, there's one located in the pew. It's on page 8, the passage that we're looking at this morning. And uh, we are beginning a series on the life of Abraham this morning. We'll be looking at Genesis 12 through 25 over the, the coming uh, weeks and months. It is hard to overstate how central a role God's promise to Abraham and Abraham's obedient response to God plays in our lives as followers of Christ. When Peter, in Acts chapter 2, stood in front of the people and said, the promise is for you and for your children and for those who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call, he was referring to the promise of salvation to the nations first made here in Genesis chapter 12 in God's call of Abraham. So, Studying the life of Abraham will be of great benefit when it comes to understanding the Christian faith, but studying the life of Abraham will also be of great benefit when it comes to actually living out the Christian faith. Abraham was called by God in a very unique way to fulfill a very unique purpose in light of very unique promises that God had made to him, but in the end, Abraham was called to walk by faith. His faith in God's promises had to be demonstrated through obedience to God's call. When God said, go to Abraham, Abraham had to go. So into what is God calling you to go? Some of you here this morning or perhaps uh, listening online are not followers of Christ. Over the course of the next several weeks, you're going to hear from Scripture a summons to follow Christ, to give your life to Him. God may be calling you to go in that sense. Some of you are like the crowds that were hanging around Jesus. Remember, they, they believed what Jesus was saying, but they weren't quite ready to be all in. They're kind of hanging back a little bit. And, and some of you have professed faith in Christ, and you're here, you're faithful, but you're not quite ready to be all in when it comes to 
you know, selling out completely and living your life for Christ. Perhaps God is calling you to go in that sense. Abraham was called to a land that he did not know. That's what the author of Hebrews tells us. Some of you are being called into the unknown land of gospel ministry. (laughs) You're being called to be a pastor. Some of you are being called literally into another land to be a foreign missionary. Perhaps even now your heart is beginning to burn as you think about what God may be calling you to do. For some of you, it's a call into a career change that's, that may be imminent. For some of you, it's just a call into a new stage of life. You're transitioning out of one stage of life into another, and you don't know what that will mean precisely for you. But God's calling you to go. Some of you are being called into something that you never would have chosen. Some of you have been called into the land of cancer or some other severe illness. Whatever God is calling you to, you must go. Sometimes you don't have a choice. The question is how. How do you go? And that's what we're going to look at this morning when we look at these first nine verses of Abraham's story. When God says go, how do you go? We learn four things from this passage. First, go believing the promises that God has made to you. Go believing the promises that God has made to you. Second, go trusting the plan he has for you. Go trusting the plan he has for you. Third, go proclaiming the grace he has shown to you. Go proclaiming the grace he has shown to you. And then fourth, go longing for the city yet to come. Go believing the promises God made to you, trusting the plan he has for you, proclaiming the grace he has shown you, and longing for the city yet to come. That's where we're headed. First, let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning as we come before you. We pray that you would teach us by your spirit through this portion of your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So first, go believing the promises that God made to you. Let's, let's think for just a minute about the call of, of Abraham. Now, again, if, as you read the text, he's referred to as Abram here. His name will be changed in Genesis chapter 17 to Abraham, changed by God to Abraham. Abram means exalted father. Abraham means father of a multitude. Uh, Abram lived some 2,000 years before the birth of Christ, We begin to learn about Abram at the end of Genesis chapter 11, when we read the genealogy of his father, Terah. They lived in Ur. Ur is an ancient city in southern Babylonia. It was, uh, its remains were unearthed uh, and discovered to be in present-day Iraq. Um, At times, at the time of Abram, Ur was a center of trade. It was a wealthy city. It was a wealthy place had a highly developed urban culture. From Genesis 11 and other passages, it appears that two things happen. Well, in Ur, Abram heard God's call to go. And his father, Terah, decided to pack up and leave for some reason. We don't know why. It could be that in 1950 B.C., so, you know, around the time of of Abram and Terah and his family, a group of people named the Elamites destroyed Ur. So that may have been some incentive 
Or it could have been imminent. It was coming. He was reading the handwriting on the wall, and he, he set out from there. We don't know exactly why. We do know that they made it as far as Haran, which is in modern-day Turkey, which is also an urban area. It was an urban area and was highly developed, was a, a trade center. Uh, they made it that far, and they, they stopped. In fact, the end of, end of Genesis chapter 11 tells us that they didn't just stop there, that they, but that they settled there. So again, we, we don't know why. Some believe Haran was Terah's ancestral home. So maybe that was just where they were from and it made sense to go there. The bottom line is by the time we get to Genesis chapter 12 and the focus turns exclusively to Abraham and what God's gonna do through Abraham, you really have a turning point in the story of Genesis. Ian Duguid has pointed out that in Genesis 1 and 2, you have God's blessing on creation. And then in Genesis 3 through 11, you have a five-fold cursing by God of sin and sinful humanity. And then in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, you have a five-fold blessing promise given to Abraham. God is beginning to recreate a people for himself. There's a major shift that's happening here with Genesis 1, uh, 12, 1 to 3. Verse 1 could be translated, now the Lord said, or it could be translated, now the Lord had said. And commentators are divided on which it should be. Um, at the end of the day, you know, I don't think it matters. <laughs> the bottom line at the end of the day is God called Abram. God called Abram and Abram responded obediently and he went whether that was in his initial going from Ur and then in settling in Haran for a while and then continuing on or whether that call came to Abram when he was in Haran and then he went the point of course is that when God called Abram went he set out in obedience to God's call now look at verses 2 and 3 and notice what he didn't have I'll start at verse 1. Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What didn't he have? He didn't have the destination. Go to the land that I will show you. What did he have? He had the promises of God. He had the promises of God. What promises have God made, has God made to you? What promises has God made to you? I, I think about promises like Hebrews 13.5, that God will never leave you nor forsake you. Think about promises like are found in uh, Isaiah 43, verse 2, that when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Think of Philippians 1.6, that God will finish the good work that he began in you. I, I think of 2 Corinthians 12.9, that, that God's grace is sufficient for you. I think of Romans 8.39, that nothing will separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Do you know promises such as these? Do you know them? Take them to heart. Do you know them? Second, do you believe them? And how do you know if you've believed them? And the answer, of course, is that you go. You go into a largely unknown future 
banking on the promises of God. Go believing the promises that God has made to you. Whatever that, whatever that call is into, whether it's the mission field or major illness, go believing the promises of God. Second, go trusting the plan that he has for you. Abraham's belief in God's promise was challenged all throughout his life. We see challenges right from the outset. There was uncertainty about his destination, which I just mentioned from verse 1. Uh, verse 4 mentions the fact that he was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So he's you know, getting a little bit older to be making such major life changes like this. One might say uh, there was the fact of his settledness in Ur and in Haran. He was a wealthy person with, you know, it was, would have been easy to just say, surely God isn't calling me to go. There was the fact that his wife, Sarai, was barren. We, we see in verse 5, of course, that she went with him. But back in chapter 11, verse 30, we're told that Sarai was barren. She had no child. Looking forward over the course of the next several weeks to considering this heroine of our faith, how God works through women such as Sarai to do amazing things in his purpose and plan of redemption. But these were initial obstacles that were in place that might threaten the fulfillment of the promises that God had made to Abraham. And then once he got there, there were ongoing challenges. We're going to see as we go on over the next several weeks. Right away in verse 10, well, actually in the verses that we already read in verse 6 and verse 8, we find out that there were people living in that land. The Canaanites were there. Verse 6. In verse 8, Abraham lived in tents. He was a stranger in a strange land. Verse 10, we'll look at next week, says that there was a famine that occurred in the land. Abraham would leave the land and go to Egypt in disobedience to God's call upon his life. Chapter 16, we'll read about Sarai's continued barrenness and the bad choice that Abram made when it came to uh, Hagar and the child that would be born through her. Chapter 22, of course, you know, the, the challenge faces this immense test when it comes to the, uh, the test concerning the sacrifice of Isaac. Again, that's in chapter 22. You can imagine Abraham at several points in his life saying, what am I doing? What is God doing? His belief in God's promises were constantly being challenged. The same is true for each one of us. It's not like you make that initial response to whatever is right in front of you, whatever the call is that God has placed on you, and then it's smooth sailing from that point on. How many of you find yourself saying things like, this life of faith is harder than I imagined it would be? Or this trial is more than I can handle? Or the waves are crashing over me? Or the uncertainty is overwhelming me? What will see you through? It is trusting the plan that God has for you. Abraham did this. You see it. We'll see it in Genesis chapter 22. But again, I encourage you to go home and read Genesis 12 through 25, just as preparation for the rest of the series. But in Genesis chapter 22, when Isaac was offered up by Abraham as a sacrifice, Hebrews 11 tells us that this is what Abraham reasoned. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise 
promises was in, in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Abraham was banking on God's promise and trusting God's plan as it was unfolding in front of him. And we see that already in this passage in the fact that Abraham worshipped God. He built altars. So the principle then when it comes to trusting the plan that God has for you is this. If you go and you must go believing the promises of God, you carry on by clinging to the God of the promises. If you go believing the promises of God, you carry on by believing the God of the promises. So first, go believing the promises God made to you. Second, go trusting the plan God has for you. And then third, go proclaiming the grace that he has shown to you. Paul in Galatians chapter 3 verse 8 says this, The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. There's this announcement of the gospel to Abraham in the call and in the promise that God made to him. Now, Abraham, you might say, was least likely to receive this call and be given these promises. And the reason why was because Abraham was a pagan. He worshipped pagan gods. Joshua tells us this. In Joshua 24, Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father, Abraham, from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan. Abraham, all of his family, in Ur, worshiping false gods, probably because it was Ur, the moon god. And God comes and says, in you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Abraham wasn't called because of something special and unique about Abraham. Abraham wasn't called because of his faithfulness to God. He, he had no interest in God. He was worshiping false gods. It was entirely by God's grace that Abraham was called. It is entirely by God's grace that you are called. There's not one of us here this morning who is a likely candidate for God's favor. It wouldn't be grace if we were. We're called entirely by grace. And Abraham went proclaiming that grace. The passage tells us in two different places that Abraham built altars to worship God. Sacrifices were offered on those altars. Sacrifices of animals that had a, a, a life that was given in place of Abraham's for Abraham's sin. It was an act of worship. The text tells us also that Abraham proclaimed God's name. It, it says in verse uh, 8, there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. But that could also be translated, not even the, the words necessarily, but that idea as proclaiming the name of the Lord. In fact, back up earlier in the passage when it says in verse 5, 
They took with them the people that they had acquired in Haran. When you first read that, you might think, well, those must be, must be slaves. The problem with that is the, the word for people is not the word that would have been used for slaves or servants. So who were they? Some commentators believe Abraham was already preaching the gospel. And so in Haran, there were people who were believing his message and followed him to the promised land. We don't know for sure. But the point is certainly in Canaan. Abram was worshiping God by offering sacrifices, and he was proclaiming the name of God to this pagan nation, Canaan, filled with people who likewise were worshiping pagan gods. God calls us to do the same thing. Romans chapter 12, Paul says to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. All of life is to be worshiped in the sense you climb up on the, the, the altar every day in order to live for God's glory. And we're called to go. We're called to go proclaiming the gospel into all the nations, making disciples. God calls us each to go proclaiming the grace that he has shown to us. So go believing the promises God made to you, trusting the plan God has for you, proclaiming the grace God has shown to you, and then fourth, longing for the city yet to come. Abraham never settled in Canaan. He never did. The author of Hebrews tells us that Abraham lived in tents his entire time. His entire life, the only slice of land that he owned in Canaan was the cave in which he buried his wife, Sarah. That's it. He never built a house. He only built altars. That was it. Hebrews 11, verse 10, gives us a window into his thinking. Hebrews eleven ten says, He was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. His faith was a pilgrim faith. His eyes were set on the far horizon, not to the dust of Canaan that was under his feet, but to a renewed earth where the dwelling place of God will be with all the children of Abraham. That's what we are, you know. Paul in Romans 4 says, All who believe in God through faith in Jesus Christ share in the faith of Abraham, have Abraham as their father. In Christ, we inherit the blessings given to Abraham. The blessings are spiritual. They have to do with salvation. The land is not a slice of land near the Mediterranean. The land is the land envisioned in Isaiah 35, which we looked at a couple weeks ago in which Revelation speaks of. The promise of a new heavens and a new earth begins here with the promise made to Abraham. How do we know all this is true? Because Christ is the true and greater Abraham. Abraham left all that was familiar to him. Jesus left the Father's side in heaven. Abraham's name was made great. Jesus was given the name that is above every name. Abraham was a blessing to all who blessed him. Jesus brings salvation to all who believe in him. So into what is God calling you? 
what's right in front of you. Let Abraham be an example to you, but let Christ be your confidence and your strength. When God says go, go. Go believing the promises he made to you, which are all yes and amen in Christ. Go trusting the plan that he has for you, impossible though it may seem. Go proclaiming the grace he has shown to you and go longing for the city yet to come. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, we do pray that you would, that you would help us to walk in this way. Lord, you, you preserved the story about Abraham for us, not simply that we might have an example to follow, but that we would look to you, the one who is the God of the promises. <clears throat> Lord, it, 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 it changes the way we think about Scripture as a whole. <clears throat> when we remember that everything that's happening all throughout the history of Israel and the history of God's people, the ministry of Jesus is all the unfolding of this plan. And so, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to, as we trace the story of Abraham and as we, on our own, read Scripture and trace the story of what you're doing throughout the entire Bible, help us to remember, O oh God, that this is your one promise, your one plan unfolding throughout history that the nations might be saved. We thank you for calling us. We pray that you would help us to go into whatever that unknown future is that you have called us into, knowing that you, O oh God, know that you can be trusted, that your promises are sure, and heaven awaits. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.